You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hey guys, uh, right now, Lord willing, I am in the Holy Land with a team of people from Grace. We're there to serve our partners there, to minister to the people of the Holy Land, to visit the various sites where Jesus lived and walked. The Bible was written. It's an incredible trip. We are eight hours ahead of you right now, so you can do the math in any of our locations. And welcome, guys. If you're in Overland Park or in Olathe or online, you can do the math. We're ahead of you right now, but we need your prayers. We need you to pray for us. Would you pray for our partners there, for safety, for God to use them? Would you pray for our team? Pray for the people we're serving. Pray for our friends and family uh, while we're away. We, we need your prayers. And so we're going to start off today at Exodus chapter 19. If you want to follow along in a Bible app or a Bible, Exodus chapter 19 in all of our locations, you can raise your hand or ushers will get you a Bible, uh, Exodus 19. So today we're covering literally a third of the book of Exodus. Our, our chapters today, Exodus 19 to 31, we're covering 13 chapters of Exodus. So there's a bit of summarization in here. And our topic today is our service. Our service. Guys, serving God is one of the highest privileges, the highest privilege we have. I mean, it is exhilarating when you serve God. It is exciting. It is challenging. It is gut-wrenching. It is awesome. Our service. When you're serving God and you see God move behind the scenes, when you actually see God change lives, when you sense the battle in people and sense God answering prayers and fulfilling his word, his promises, I mean, serving God is exciting. Are you living in the realm of God serving, you're serving him, and you're seeing God do what only he can do? That is our topic today. My question for you is this, do you serve God? Do you personally, answer that for yourself, do you wake up every single day and you think to yourself, this is why I live. I live, I woke up today because today is about serving Almighty God. Do you live your life to serve God? Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. I mean, we are covering, you know, 13 chapters, a third of the book of Exodus today. So we need to give, you, give us a sense, you know, without overwhelming us, what is in here. It's so rich and deep. Lord, I pray you challenge us and inspire us. So every single one of us say, yes, I have been set free to serve you. If there's anybody here who's not been set free, may they give their life to Jesus. If there's anybody here who's been set free, but they're living their, their lives for themselves, God, I pray they would live their life today and every day to serve you. Whatever you want, it is your life. It's yours. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to set the backstory, the background today. Our theme during this study has been this. The book of Exodus is a picture 
of our spiritual journey. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. That is the things we see happening to Israel in the book of Exodus. They picture our spiritual lives. For example, Israel was in slavery in Egypt. Just like people are born today into a spiritual slavery to sin. In Exodus, God sacrificed a lamb. Just like today for us, God sacrificed the lamb, Jesus. And in Exodus, Israel was freed to serve God. That's the same reason you and I were set free from our sins, set free from the law, set free from the world. We were set free to serve him too. Do you live your life every day to serve God? Let's picture in our minds what's going on here in Exodus chapter 19. I want you to picture two million people about the size of the greater Kansas City area. Everybody's camping out together in tents in the desert. And after three months of freedom in this tent city, they arrive at Mount Sinai. Here's a picture of the traditional route, the traditional path of the Exodus. You notice that green line on the left is the Nile River. The green triangle at the top, that is Egypt. And that dotted line heading south, that's the traditional path of the Exodus. And we don't really know where Mount Sinai was. We have a few guesses. Here's one possible guess. It's Mount Serbal. Mount Serbal. Just imagine in your minds, by the way, Israel camping here in the Sinai Peninsula. Picture thousands of tents on the floor. Picture the mountain covered in smoke. And picture yourself watching Moses hike up the mountain into the smoke to meet God. Here's two other possibilities of Mount Sinai. Mountains called Mount Sinai and Mount Catherine. Just picture again in your mind thousands of tents, smoke covering the mountain, and watching Moses hike up into the smoke and back down after meeting God. Anyway, in Exodus 19 to 31, we see six meetings with God. We're going to cover all six. Six meetings with God. They're all about our service. Moses has five private meetings with God, and then God calls a nationwide meeting where he freaks out the whole nation right in the middle of this. And as we walk through these six meetings, just keep thinking to yourself, ask yourself, yes, do I? Do I wake up every day and live my life to serve not myself or somebody else, but to serve God? Let's look at these six meetings now. Meeting number one is about the word special. Meeting one special. Do you realize just how special you are to God? God loves you. He made you unique for his purposes. You are valuable to God. You are special to him. That's by the way what we see here. Exodus 19 verse 3, the very first private meeting Moses has with God. Exodus 19 3. And Moses went up to God And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Here's the message from God to the people, from God to us. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you. I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You say, Tim, why in the world would someone live their life to serve God? That's crazy. Because they're thankful for what God has done for them. Like when you know God has brought you out of slavery for his purposes, you choose to serve God. Another reason we serve God, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then 
You shall be a special treasure to me. There it is. Above all people, for all the earth is mine. Why would somebody, why in the world would somebody live their life every day, not for themselves, not for their boyfriend, not for their friends, but for God? Because they know they're a special treasure to God. They know God loves them so much and has a plan for their lives. Verse six, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, every man, woman, and child, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. See, why would you in the world would you serve God? Because God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you together like a kingdom of priests going between God and man. You might write down 1 Peter 2, verse 9. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that's the very same thing God says about us. The day you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, Peter writes, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're his own special people. Do you realize just how special you are to God? That's why God calls you to serve him. Now, the question here for Israel is, when they get the message, are they going to serve God or not? That's the question for you, too. You have the choice. Will you serve God every day, or will you not serve God, serve yourself or somebody else, some other group of people? Israel says, yes, we will serve God, verse 7. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people. They had a camp meeting and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. You are special. God's called you to serve me. Verse 8. Then all the people, here's what God hopes, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, like everything in his word, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. This is an amazing moment in the life of Israel. When Israel hears that God set them free to serve him, that they are special to God, Israel says this, yes, we choose as people set free, knowing we are special to God, so appreciative to God, we choose to no longer live our lives for ourselves, not for ourselves, not for our comfort, not for our friends, not for our family. It is about serving God. Do you realize you are special to him? Because of that, do you live your life every day to serve God? Meeting one was about being special. Meeting two now, we're going to summarize meeting two, consecration. Meeting two, consecration, down around verse nine, if you scan through there. And for this, by the way, God tells Israel to consecrate themselves for God for three days. And you might write down, what does consecration look like? What is that exactly? It's setting apart. Write down 1 Timothy 2. Great example. 1 Timothy 2. Consecration is being cleansed. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy 2, God compares all of us to dishes. He wants to use us like dishes, like vessels. And God wants to use clean dishes. He doesn't want to use dirty dishes. He wants to use consecrated, clean dishes. First Timothy 2, here's the question for you. Do you need God to consecrate you, to cleanse you, to set you apart for himself in your heart, in your heart, in your thoughts, in your mind? Do you need consecration to serve God? Meaning to consecration, meaning three, a warning. Meeting three, a warning. Now, This warning, starting in verse 20, cracks me up every time I read it. Because Moses, picture, this is meeting three, hikes all the way up the mountain, into the smoke, and God tells him, turn right around, go back down the mountain. You need to warn these people, don't touch the mountain. This is life or death. Moses says, but Lord, I warned them a couple days ago. They know it's life or death. God says, no, they don't. 
They forgot. You need to remind them. Here's my question for you. Do you need the same warning to be reminded that what we deal with when we serve God is life or death for the people we care about? It's real. It's life or death. Meeting three, a warning. Meeting four is about commandments. Meaning four is chapter 20 now about commandments. We know them as the Ten Commandments. And this is where God, after this private meeting with, with Moses, calls an all-nation meeting and gives them the Ten Commandments. And so let's go talk about the Ten Commandments on this chart uh, right here. Uh, the Ten Commandments are divided into two sections. Loving God and loving people. When Jesus was asked about what is the greatest commandment of the Old Testament, the Bible, or or Moses' law, he says, well, loving God, that's Deuteronomy 6. Loving people, that's Leviticus 19. And the Ten Commandments are organized that. Four about loving God, six about loving people. Let's walk through these. By the way, I I think that everybody's likely guilty of every single one of these. All right, gods. To love God, you need to deal with gods. Have no other gods before me. Do you have any priorities more important than God in your life? Are your kids number one? That's idolatry. God is not number one. Is your career number one? Is your body number one? Are your dreams number one? Is your health number one? Your money number one? You actually have no other gods. If anything but God is your number one priority, you've broken the first commandment. Images. Do not make images. Do not bow down to images. You say, I don't bow down to images. Our whole culture is about images. I mean, we bow down to images and movies and videos. We serve them. We actually deal with image all the time. We cultivate image, craft image, micromanage our image. If you serve images or image, you've broken the second commandment. Name. To love God, you have to keep his name holy. It means not to take the name of God in vain. Well, it's, yes, it is cursing. Like, oh, oh God. Or, or Jesus Christ. You know, using his name with no meaning. But even more so, it's taking the name of God in vain. When you call yourself a Christian, yet you don't serve God, you've taken the name of God and emptied it of meaning. If you don't serve God, you've taken the name of God in vain, broken the third commandment. The fourth commandment is Sabbath, which means you cannot work Saturday from Friday night sundown to Saturday sundown. That means you've ever gone out to a movie on a Friday night or dinner, you've broken the Sabbath. Yeah, on Saturday, you ever, ever played a game, played a soccer game, did some chores? You broke the Jewish Sabbath. You've broken the Sabbath. Those first four, loving God. The last six, loving people. How do you love people? It starts with your parents. That's where you learn to love people as you love your parents. It's honor your father and your mother. Have you ever disrespected even once your mom? Disrespected ever once your dad? You've broken the sixth commandment. We'll deal with the seventh and eighth commandment, or the sixth and seventh commandment together, murder and adultery, because Jesus talks about these in the Sermon on the Mount. He says you can commit both murder and adultery, not physically, but committed in your heart. What is murder? It's when you take a life individually as a private citizen. What is adultery? When you're sexually active with somebody, not your spouse. Jesus said you can commit both in your heart. Murder. If you hate somebody, or you're angry, but you're wrong. You're guilty of murder. If you ever thought about anybody sexually that's not your spouse, you're guilty of adultery in your heart. How about stealing, lying, coveting? Who has not done all of these? Have you ever taken anything that was not yours in your life? 
Have you ever misled anybody in your life? Have you ever wanted something that's not yours? You ever wanted somebody's body or somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend? You wanted their money. You thought, man, I want their car. I want their house. I want their job. I want their role. I want their title. I want their life. You've coveted something from them. You've broken the Ten Commandment. There's a red star here on coveting. It's the one exception in the Bible. I believe in the Hebrew, it's impossible to covet cats. You can't covet a cat. That's uncovetable, I believe. Anyway, after this incredible meeting with God, God calls him on the smoke, speaks these 10 words, these 10 commandments to him. Israel, you would think God speaking to you is a good thing. You would think so, but when God speaks, he gives them the Ten Commandments, and they're so overwhelmed by the experience, so convicted of guilt and of sin, that they say to Moses, never again, tell God, never again to speak to us. We don't like that. Speak to Moses, God, not to us. That was meeting four, and the camp of Israel goes back to their tents, and they say, wow, what an experience that was. And it's all about serving God. Do you live your life? To serve him, meeting five. Meeting five is about the book. Meeting five is about the book. And you guys, you can kind of read these chapters on your own. There's like four and a half chapters of laws that God gives to Moses in this private meeting. He goes back in the smoke, and, he, and Moses says, man, they don't want that experience again. They want you to talk to me. And he says, well, to talk to them, I'm going to give you laws to write in a book so they can read the laws in a book. So they know how to serve God. That's what the Bible is, by the way. It's God's laws to guide us. What does it look like to serve him in our life, in our school, at our house? You can read those on your own. I'm going to point out one strange law here. It's in Exodus 21. So there was a law, by the way, where if you were a Hebrew servant, a Hebrew slave, and you actually chose to become a Hebrew servant or slave to maybe pay off a debt to somebody, you'd be their servant or slave till you paid off the debt, or you wanted a steady job, You became their servant, their slave. When your debt was paid or the time was over, your master would set you free. You'd think you'd want to be free. You were set free from slavery. But there was a law that let you choose to stay a slave to that master after you were set free. And you see this, by the way, in Exodus 21, verse 5. It's a weird law. But if the servant plainly says... I love my master, my wife and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He also shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. That is a weird law. So here's the law. Essentially, if you were somebody set free, you're free to go. You could say, I mean, I love my master too much. He's done so much for me. I love everything I have is his. I want you to know, I don't want to be free. I want to serve him forever. And so the master would take him to the judges to make sure there's no coercion. They'd take you over to the wall and they pull out an awl, which is a small poking instrument. And they take somebody's earlobe and they place it against the wood. And your master would create a brand new earring for you. And your ear will be pierced by your master as an indication that you have chosen to be a slave. You've chosen to be a servant. That earring indicates, I love my master so much. I want everyone, it's like, almost like a wedding ring for serving 
a master. I love my master so much. I want everyone to know I am his. And I love him. And I was set free. And I want to serve him. That's a weird law. Do you live your life to serve God? Okay, we'll summarize the last meeting, meeting number six. Meeting six is about worship. And talk about summarization. I'm going to summarize eight chapters in a few seconds. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the keys so you can go deeper. But it's the last eight chapters of this section. Uh, the, the, this section talks about the tabernacle, which was God's portable worship center for Israel. They carried around this tent for worship. And about the priesthood. The priesthood served in worship in the tabernacle. And here's a picture of the tabernacle now. I would encourage you to study the tabernacle. It's an incredible study, by the way. It's all about worship. But when you read the tabernacle and you read through all the furniture and the details, you're like, why are these in here? Realize every piece of furniture and every detail about the furniture and the priesthood pictures a different element of our worship today. You're seeing a picture of our worship in the tabernacle study. You see a picture of the cross and the Holy Spirit and the Bible. In the tabernacle study, you see a picture of prayer and service and financial giving like tithing is worship. The tabernacle pictured our worship. It was the place where God's people met with him. Do you live your life to worship? Worship is also an act of serving God. Now, whew, I'm going to take a big breath. Honestly, preparing this message was a nightmare. It was really, really hard. There's all these laws, I don't know about your soul, preparing this wore me out. Thinking about the laws wore me out. Here's the crazy thing about the laws. You know, we're, this message about serving God, God called them and gave them all these laws to serve him. Look back at this chart of the Ten Commandments once again. Because we covered 13 laws today. 13. We covered love God, love people, that's two. Plus the Ten Commandments, plus the one weird commandments of the piercing of the ear. We only covered 13 commandments. When the Jewish rabbis historically studied the first five books of Moses, they found not 13 commandments, but 613 commandments. We covered the first 13. There's 600 more commandments to go. And those commandments can be overwhelming. These were commandments that they sensed they had to do to follow, to actually please God, and they were overwhelming. As I studied this passage, I just felt two feelings. One, overwhelmed with guilt and regret. I mean, I look at the Ten Commandments. I know the times I've not loved God and not loved people. I know the times I've broken you know, each and every one of these commandments. And I just, it's almost like I was asked, to, you know, serving God is swimming. And so I'm out there swimming. That's awesome. Picture you know, yourself swimming in an ocean. You're serving God, swimming. And then someone tosses you two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Now, to serve... You got to keep these commandments. And now you're trying to kick and to swim. I felt buried under the weight of these laws. But then I also thought this. I thought what Jesus did for us is he set us free from these. It's amazing what God did. God set us free from not just one law, not just the Ten Commandments. He set us free from all 613 commandments, no longer needing to actually do the commandments to please God. Let me give you a sense from God's perspective for a second. So God knew, you know, the commandments, they represent God's character, his holiness. It's, it's who he is. That's who, who he is. This shows us God's character. 
And yet God knew we could never keep these on our own. You know what the law does? The law points out we're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. I mean, look at this list. Tell me that you yourself, I know I'm guilty of breaking the law. Tell me you yourself have not broken one, multiple, ten of the Ten Commandments. Broken them. Like there's no way we could do it. Christ set us free. He fulfilled the law, Matthew 5. Jesus came to this world, so he fulfilled all 613 commandments. Jesus did all of these for us because we couldn't do them. And then, after fulfilling the law, he set us free. Free from the law. Free from guilt over not keeping the law. Free from the need to keep the law to make God pleased. Jesus did that for us. You see this, by the way, in Colossians 2, verse 14. I love this verse. Jesus killed the law twice over. Twice over. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. What did Jesus do with the law after fulfilling it? Matthew 5. Having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Jesus erased the law. I mean, he went to the law and just erased it. After erasing the law, then... He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus double killed the law. He erased the law for us. And then at the cross, he put the law on himself and our sins on himself and nailed the law to the cross, setting us free. So we're in a moment where no longer we have to keep the law to please God. And by the way, you say, what is the New Testament laws? What are they about? Every law was eliminated in the Old Testament. Every single one of them. No longer is adultery count for you. What you see in the New Testament... No longer is lying count for your coveting. In the New Testament, any law that's restated in the New Testament is called the law of grace, the law of the Spirit, the law of Christ. Which is why if you look at the Ten Commandments, they were all eliminated at the cross. Erased, nailed to the cross, which set us free. We're free servants now. But then God restates nine out of the ten. What is the one commandment? Out of the Ten Commandments, the God did not restate. He changed for us in the New Testament. It's Sabbath. And you read that by Hebrews chapter 4. No longer do we have to not work or do anything from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. It's changed. Hebrews 4 says our whole life is Sabbath. Like our whole life should be stopping the madness of trying to work to please God. Do some checklist to make yourself right with God. We're right because God makes us right. Not because you keep some sort of checklist or you try hard or you're a good person. Our whole life is now Sabbath. It's the one law not restated, changed in the New Testament. I do believe he keeps, it's impossible to covet cats. I do think that's still there in the Greek. All right, so what should we do about this? We're, we're, we're Israel set free. They choose to serve. We're the servants set free. Here's the question for you. Do you choose to be his servant forever? This whole section, this whole section about God calling Israel and saying, you're so special to me. Do you realize how special you are to him? This whole section, when he calls you, I want you to be consecrated. I want to use clean vessels. Not dirty vessels. Come to me. Let me cleanse your heart. Let me cleanse your mind. That's what the cross and the blood of Christ is about. Pray. Let me cleanse you again with the sacrifice of Christ. It's about, it's a life or death situation for people. We're the servant that's been set free. We're the servant that God wants us to say at some point, yeah, 
I'm set free. I don't have to keep the law anymore. I don't have to do any of the New Testament. I have to do none of it. I've been set free, but I choose to be his servant. I don't want to be free. Because when I'm his servant, I am free. I'm most free when I follow him. Have you said to Jesus at some point here, Lord, I've been set free. I don't have to keep any laws. All my sins have been forgiven. I'm totally free. I'm free to walk on you. I don't want to be. Have you made that same choice that Israel made, that the servant made? Have you offered your earlobe to Jesus Christ? And say, Jesus, I want everyone to know that I'm your follower. What is this, by the way, what our symbol? We don't carry around physical symbols. It's baptism. When you're baptized, it's your whole body. You're showing the world, I'm no longer my own. My old life died. The old Tim is dead. I've made this decision. Have you made this? I'm a new Tim. Tim doesn't own Tim. My life is not my own, 1 Corinthians 6. Have you made that? Have you offered this? Or have you been set free and you said, yeah, see ya. I don't have to serve you. That's awesome. God is looking for you to say, I choose this day that for the rest of my life, here's my ear, Lord. I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. I bear in my body the marks of serving you. Two questions, guys. Have you been set free from your sin? You can't keep the law to be set free. All the law does is point out how good God is, perfect he is, and how much of a failure we are. That's all it does. If you're trying harder, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ at some point to receive Jesus, you've got to say something that's counter to our culture. I'm a failure. That's what you have to say. To receive Christ, you must say, I am a failure who is special to God. I'm a failure. I can't keep the law who is loved by Jesus. I'm a failure who Jesus took my sins at the cross and they're gone. I'm a failure who couldn't keep the law so he took the law away from me. I don't have to keep anything to make him pleased. And now, have you received Jesus Christ as Savior? And if you have, have you offered your ear to him? Like every morning I wake up, every day I live, most of the days, I remember I don't live for myself. Which means the things that happen to me, they're not about me. They're about God. The things I'm doing in life, if God wants me to do that, live through that, navigate that path, that's his choice. It's not my choice. I love my master. I trust him. I'm his servant. Have you made that decision today? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to move in people's lives where people would sense if they don't have Christ, that they would give their life to you right now. Thankful that you died for their sins, took away the law as a, as a means of being right before you. I have pretty, people to have the courage to admit to you, Jesus, they are a failure who is loved by God, a failure with the law who is special to God, a failure who's been forgiven by the cross and receive you as Savior. And may every single person make the decision that Israel made. We will follow you. We will do what you say. We are your servants. May every person offer their earlobe to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, pierce my earlobe. I am yours. I serve you. Move 
in people's lives. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.